Hey, welcome to the podcast of The Kelly Cotrera Show. Coming up, we'll talk with our tech expert, Adam Oldfield, about this AI that is allowing you to take an old photograph of someone from the past and animate it like they're still alive. You know, you can do that with your iPhone, sort of like a little bit of a moving photograph. We'll talk about that AI and what the trade-off is for you using it. But first, Marty Firestone is the president of Travel Secure, and he joins the show right now. Marty, welcome to the program. It's good to have you on. Thank you for having me. So the reason why we brought you back is uh, you reached out to Chris because Global News ran this big story over the weekend with Jeff Semple uh, doing uh, his report on what's going on in the quarantine hotels, not only here in Toronto, but across Canada. There is a report of total chaos when it comes to our hotel quarantine system. People are, you know, leaving their rooms when they're not supposed to. What are you hearing? Yeah, this is a doomed project. Right from the start when you even try to make the reservation, which is a three to ten hour wait and then getting hung up on, to finally arriving at the airport, to finally getting to this hotel, it, it's nightmarish from what he reported and what, from what I'm hearing is, you know, 24 hour delays in food. Uh, just people milling in a lobby and complaining like a lynch mob. The whole thing is just so counterintuitive in the sense that people are going to get sick from just hanging around with everybody in this environment that they're being put into. Right. They're putting themselves more at risk by, you know, these are people that are coming off of international flights instead of going home to self-isolate where they're not around strangers when they leave their room. They are, um, you know, milling about with other people, complaining about lack of service. Let's get down to the food situation. What are you hearing about the food? I mean, 24 hours for food to be delivered. That's not even providing the basic necessities of life. Yeah, there's just no excuse. A, they're paying for it. It's not like this is the government paying for it and you would expect that you're going to get minimal amounts or bottled water. You are paying good, hard-earned money for $350, $400 a night for a single person. Like, I'm sorry, if this is organized in any sort of way, when you get there, the catering aspect, every part of it should all be looked after. This is just no excuse whatsoever. Okay, so what are you hearing uh, from the caterers? What excuse are they giving? What excuse are hotels using for not delivering food? I think they're overwhelmed. You know, I heard that Saturday night, all six hotels, there wasn't a room available in any of them. So it's quite evident that nobody has figured or put any thought to what, what's happening here. And they just probably are overwhelmed at this point. That's all I, I can hear. I only know from the clients who are still away, very simply, they have no desire for this three-day quarantine. And if anything, what they're hearing about what's going on is only forcing them to either stay longer and ride it out, <clears throat> sorry, or they are going to go back via the land border. That, that's all mm -hmm. that this is actually really doing. Yeah, the clients that you're talking about are snowbirds. Correct. They're down there now. They're watching what's happening. They're seeing these nightmare situations and say, Forget the money aspect of it for one minute. I just don't want to be part of this uh, mixing of people that I could be in worse condition than if I went right back to my own home and quarantine for 14 days. It's interesting. You brought up the fact that all six hotels were booked over the weekend. There wasn't a room to be found in these quarantine hotels for people coming in from other flights. Where are they? What are they doing then? Are they just told to go home and self-isolate? Yeah, the, the, what I had heard, again, this is just what uh, media had, had mentioned, that they told a few of them that there were no rooms for just to go home. So there's no rhyme or reason. Gift. The way there's no rhyme or reason for the fines. They don't know who gets it and who doesn't get it. That's the problem. Right. And there was also a story in the Global News uh, story over the weekend. They mentioned a, a fellow that got notice. He's waiting at one of these quarantine hotels. 
He is, I think he's from the States or something like that. He's come back to Canada, but he has an American accent. So he's waiting at this hotel, finds out his test has been damaged, his his COVID test, and he now has to get tested again. But there's no information to tell him how to get that test. So what does he do? Leaves the quarantine hotel, which means there's no security really checking if people are coming and going and who they are. Leaves, goes back to the airport, back to Pearson, risking exposure again gets another COVID test, then goes back to the hotel. Yeah. So let's say he potentially could have COVID. Look what he has done. Look who he has seen. Look what his, his sort of movement over the last two days is. It's just shocking. This is just so against it working. There isn't a chance. This, if anything, is going to enhance and pass the, the uh, disease on to more people than it would have if they did nothing like this at all. That's the problem. How long can this go on for, do you think, before the government finally says, you know what, we've... You're better to go home and self-isolate at home and we'll send people to check on you. Yeah, there's two schools of thinking. Maybe this is all being done to just just act against March spring break, although I don't really think it is. I, I think this could go on to April, May, even into June until the majority of Canadians are even close to getting vaccines. I just don't see him stopping it next week. There's no reason why he would. So it, this will go on and that's going to keep a lot of the snowbirds either riding it out and out of the country or other ones finding ways to come home across the land border because they will not go through this type of, of uh, jail, prison, whatever you want to call it. Well, it's it's looking like it's a punishment now. It does. 100% as much as he said it wasn't, then give them at least a experience that at least is okay, that they will say, I believe in it and I understand why you're having us do it, but don't make it a nightmare situation like they're going through right now. That's that's where it's at. Okay, so what are you hearing from snowbirds that plan to cross uh, at the land crossing? How are they going to do that? Are they going to go over on foot and have somebody pick them up at the other side? Yeah, so in that group, if they have a car down there now, which many of them did have a car shipped down, they would drive home, okay? And they will come across the land border with their negative COVID test, take the test there, and then, of course, have the one that's taken 10 days later. The tricky ones will be the ones who are flying to a border city and then either getting picked up by some sort of uh, service or having someone drop their car off on the other side of the border. There's a lot of creativity going into play here. But at the end of the day, they will find their way across the land border and avoid this. That's 100% for sure. Well, uh, what are you recommending when when you get clients that call you and say, what what should I do, Marty? What's your recommendation when it comes to returning to Canada? Well, if you haven't left yet, of course, don't travel, okay? That's been my modus operandi from day one. Having said that, if you are away, then you know what? You've got to be wary of being out of the country too long for a bunch of reasons, uh, both provincial health plan and U.S. tax filing. So you've got to just watch it. And, and the ones who are going to ride it out, I mean, if it gets lifted by March or April, then you will fly back and avoid it. But if it's still in place... There's a lot of questions as to what you're going to do. I'm telling them that, you know what, you've got to face the music one way or the other. So it's either land border or or fly in, and it's all about your tolerance of what you'll handle, and that's it. All right. Well, Marty, I want to thank you for uh, joining us, and, and we'll keep an eye on this story. But right now, it just sounds like a nightmare. It is a mess. All right. Marty Firestone is uh, with Travel Secure, and he's joined the show numerous times to talk about what's going on. How long can they keep this quarantine hotel situation up? How do they know? What is going on with the government that they can't even arrange this? I mean, it seems pretty simple. First of all, my major, I had been talking about this for ages that we should have followed suit with the rest of 
uh, you know, the world when it came to quarantine hotels, basically somebody flies in, you make them go to, a, uh, you know, an actual secure facility to quarantine. And so then we finally bring it in, you know, when it's probably a bit too late, like last minute plan. And it's a debacle. Like, could they have not have looked to other jurisdictions that did it right and find out how they did it? Chris, I had pointed out that I didn't think at the time when it was originally announced, it was five hotels and then it was six hotels that I didn't think that was nearly enough for Toronto. And it turns out it's not enough for them to even handle when, when Marty talks about how overwhelmed they are, these hotels that they're not even getting all their ducks in a row when it comes to serving food. I get it because what was going on is people were not able to get through to the reservation system. You're supposed to already have a reservation, which is just mind boggling to me before you came back to Canada. So we've got all these people that are overseas or in different places going, well, I better get organized here, you know, the real planners that are trying to be as responsible as possible and follow the rules. And they're calling the line to reserve a place or or going online and waiting and waiting and waiting so long that they are booted off the system. And so what they're doing is they're going, okay, well, these are the six hotels. Let's call them and we'll book, you know, a room for later on. They're not even coming home right away. So of course they're overwhelmed at the hotels because they're dealing with people trying to book like weeks from now. It's just, how do you not organize this properly? Can and, you imagine the government tries to throw a birthday party for a kid? What that look like? <laughs> why are there foods. sharp? Why are there sharp instruments in the goodie bags? Oh, well, <laughs> tax. <laughs> government loves tax, um, but also <laughs> the <laughs> good one. It's a pun. Uh, I got but it. But also, you know, food service for a hotel is one thing. They're used to doing room service for the, you know, the the guests who like room service but yeah. even on a fully booked night most of your people most of your guests are not ordering room service so the whole idea that a hotel would be ready to serve everyone that's staying there is i think a lofty goal anyway come on now they do like continental breakfast just do that get a bunch of continental breakfast but put them in a package buffet. how hard is that yeah. to do no, but it, not a buffet, but just put them into packages. Come on. They organize meals because they'll have like, oh, for your guests, you've got meal time from this set time to another. Just run mm -hmm. it like you do breakfast because that's where most people would eat in the hotel. Yeah. I would imagine at breakfast. Yeah. They're like before you head out and you might go somewhere else for lunch and dinner, but. Grab some Fruit Loops out I'm of that. not buying the excuses. Like, how <laughs> oh, I... disorganized can you be? That's there. the government for you. Over the weekend, you may have noticed something trending on social media. There were people posting pictures of their dead relatives, but they were coming back to life. I know that sounds like a very zombie-ish. It's not the zombie apocalypse. It's this uh, AI that is part of this online genealogy company named MyHeritage. And they use AI licensed uh, from DID to create an effect that the still photo is moving. Here to talk about this and a couple other things that caught my eye, Adam Oldfield, our 640 Toronto tech expert. Welcome to the show. Hi, Kelly. Thanks for having me. Okay, these were some of these photos. Are, I, I guess I can understand why people would want to animate their dead loved ones, but uh, some of these photos are just downright creepy. Can you tell us about the AI and what the goal of it is? 
Sure, absolutely. As you mentioned earlier, is that it's it's licensed from a company called DID, and uh, they're very well known with creating sort of the deep fake video capabilities, where uh, it, it integrates a visual of a of a face into a uh, onto another um, and animates something that's been still into a motion. So it's very restricted in the motions it's capable of doing, and it almost reminds me of the the Harry Potter movies, where you know right. when they're walking up the staircase and the photos come alive and i mean this this technology is it is a bit creepy it's a bit of uh you know it's called deep nostalgia is actually what it's referenced to um and it takes angles of that face and it's able to determine through its algorithm um angles of how your eyes would move it even uses elements of how the face your facial structure is um and can determine if you had maybe a, a lazy eye or uh if you had a, li- a, a little bit of a a sign of your lip was off a little it was it's actually very very perfected when it comes to that so um now when you upload your photos it takes that photo puts it in different uh, scenarios and when you do upload it um it, it, my heritage by the way is it what you was and still is a dna upload where you can send your dna off and find out about your background and your history where your culture comes from and so forth um and they've added this as a as another feature-esque to how to enhance your experience of your family culture or your your history so uh, it, it takes that photo, and, and I, I got to do it a couple times uh, from photos of that I've had, and mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it is really, really creepy. Taking Who did you animate? And, pardon me. Who did you animate? My my great grandfather. Um, and it was funny. He was, uh, my great grandfather was actually Barney Oldfield, who was the first race car driver for Henry Ford. And I, uh, Come I saw on. technology and, uh, yeah, yeah. If you can believe that. So yeah, oh. uh, not many people know who that is, but, uh, anyway, he's in a lot of photos with Henry Ford. So I actually took it and I put it in where he's kind of sitting with, uh, with, uh, Henry Ford. And, and I, I watched him kind of look around, look up cause you can, you get to pick what they do. It's, it's, uh, there's options. You can have them look to the left, look to the right, look up, look down, um, choose how you want their photo to work. It takes about 20 seconds. I think it was about maybe 30 seconds. And um, no, it doesn't move everyone's head. You have to do it uh, specifically, uh, isolate the one uh, uh, head that you want to move or animate, if you will. Um, In the picture. Yeah, in the photo itself. So it takes about 20 seconds per face. Um, And you can animate all of them um, and watch everybody's heads moving, um, which is really kind of creepy as you indicated but this is this is a scenario of where we can see deep fake taking on now a commercial element where you know we talked about is this is this good is it is it is it you know is it safe how are we integrating this i mean it is one of the biggest things right now is artificial intelligence generated uh animation from photos that exist but there's even more so like google just announced this past year that you can take any photo you upload and turn it into a van gogh it's called art transfer so if you're using Google Photos, there's a feature in there that you can pick any one of the famous artists and it will take that background or your photo and integrate it into one of the famous artists. Um, and, and even more so, you can now download, I think it's a website called 100,000 AI generated faces. Um, mm. You can download a bunch of people. You don't have to pay for a model anymore. You can literally download copyright free models of people that don't exist and you can use them in your marketing and advertising and they their heads move they smile they 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 don't walk or anything but they just gesture in a very small way 
that's very disturbing to me. I I don't know why it is. It just it because is their whole the whole idea of advertising is persuasion, and we're now being persuaded to do something or to achieve. Uh, you know, basically people are usually added in, you know, to show us what we could be. And if the people are fake, that's just strange. Do you know what I mean? Doesn't sit well with me. Can I take, sorry, can I go back to just the, the, um, the, the deep nostalgia for a second, the, my heritage and, and the AI that's animating, uh, photos, including your great grandfather. I want to ask you from your perspective, just from, Adam, Adam as Adam watching your grandfather become animated. How did you feel? And I know that you can make them smile. Is, is there some part of you that realizes that, well, you know, I know that I'm watching my great grandfather smile, but that might not necessarily be how his smile actually looked. Uh, I, I wouldn't, I, I would love to be able to comment and say that's how it worked. But uh, yeah, I mean, it. uh, it was surreal, I'll tell you that, and um, and, and honestly, I, I think from a from an element of of, of I guess feeling uh, not I never got to meet my great grandfather from that degree. Obviously, he passed away, but it did from my end of gold. That was really cool. It kind mm. of felt very. Uh, I felt like it was real to a degree of almost like that quick moment where you watch a home movie and you get to see them. You know, just that motion brings it a bit of a light, brings it alive a little bit. So uh, from my end of things, I really appreciated it. Now, mind you, I know a lot have commented that this is really just spooky. It just it's it's almost could give people nightmares. Uh, Is it a horror movie coming to life? But I don't know. It's going to be it's going to be really up to your taste. Does that really freak you out or do you really feel memories coming flooding back? The ones that were creepy to me were an archaeologist started to animate some faces of statues and things that they had. Uh, and, and it worked, right? Some of them have those blank eyes, but somebody animated the David, Michelangelo's yeah. David. It was just, it was weird. Well, that's where you get to the creepy part. I mean, right. when you start, you know, animating voodoo dolls, all of a sudden it's just kind of like, okay, we're going too far with this. I think the idea was to bring back some loving, warm memories, not to kind of throw you into this chaotic, uh, you know, Nightmare on Elm Street version of watching Freddy Krueger f- still photos come alive. So, okay. but it does have that feeling. And, it, and yes, it is capable. You could do that if you wanted. You know, the old adage is you don't get something for nothing. So what is my heritage getting? from offering this free ability to upload a photo and have it animate. I'm so glad you said that, Kelly, because this is so, tell me the segue doesn't go well with this. So MyHeritage obviously offers up to so many photos you can upload for free, and then you can pay for a subscription. However, again, I before the show, I, I didn't get the chance. I was reading the terms and conditions because I always like to know when I sign up for something, as we as we do, what am I giving them the rights of? Because, you know, with MyHeritage, with the DNA, there's conspiracies of that. But just recently, recently meaning Friday, Facebook specifically is paying $650 million to people who allegedly had their photos uploaded and were scanning and using that facial recognition for sharing and tagging. So Facebook has settled the case. It was back in 2015 when it first came out. And so reading this, I didn't get into the depth of it, unfortunately, for the show. But I do know that that photo rights, the rights of your usage of these photos, become the property of my heritage. Ah. Now, that's how I read it in a general context. So these platforms, whether it's MyHeritage, Facebook, whatever, Google for that matter, when you upload these, these are um, questionable as to the privacy of what 
is being used? What rights are being uh, uh, released when you when you upload them? So uh, unfortunately, I can't speak to it with my heritage at this stage, other than I know there is a subscription. Uh, they, they, you know, privacy and, and concerns are, are highlighted. Um, but what I didn't get to, and I don't know the answer to this question is, if you did upload that photo, do you lose the license rights of that animated or GIF of that video of your, of your family member, and are they allowed to use it for marketing purposes? Do they have the, well, uh, the rights to do that? If that's the case, Adam, then you gave them a very valuable piece of history, your great-grandfather being one of the first race car drivers or, uh, for Henry Ford. Yeah, they they technically would have that access. No, I mean that's public data. I took it exactly from you know uh, the internet <laughs> directly okay. from some of the photos. It wasn't a proprietary photo of mine. I just took one that I could find from Henry Ford with him. But um, uh, which, by the way, I might add, was raced right in Toronto at exhibition. But uh, aside from history on that, I took a photo that was public uh, information, and when I uploaded it, but that animation and that usage of that uh, of that photo you know, is it capable of being used in maybe advertising purposes to, you know, whether it's on Facebook or other platforms digitally to say, you know, you know, upload your family history or upload your family uh, uh, tree and be able to see them come alive again. That rights, if I'm reading it correctly, and that's not fair again, I I don't know what the rights or privacy Mm -hmm. you're releasing them when you do that, when you upload it to MyHeritage. Can I ask you, uh, I'm just going to change the subject for a second because I know we don't have much time left, but I, I heard that a cybersecurity firm is saying that social media bots may have hyped GameStop during the trading frenzy. What do you know about that? Uh, yes, it wasn't might, it did. So, you know, bots are one of those things that are... They're active. They work in many, many elements. And uh, that was one of the reasons when they were talking about the election that uh, the algorithm with a bot can take information and repost it. And I I know a lot of people are misunderstanding what a bot is. It's an algorithm of of a system or a series of actions. So, for example, it was taking that that scenario of GameStop and, and, and enhancing it, not just GameStop, many different platforms of stock. And it was sharing it or highlighting it and, and, and pushing it into the Internet, whether it was through blog posts or comments. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just focuses and puts that information out, uh, trying to enhance a lot of awareness. So um, this is something of which I know hasn't been solved yet, and that's Part of the question in the Senate right now is how can this be controlled? How can it be governed? And referring to the Internet as a whole as being able to control what's being shared and who's sharing it. So these bots, robotic algorithms, uh, exist and they're uh, developed by, I want to say hackers, but computer engineers to the purpose of enhancing their uh, uh, platform or, or, you know, their agenda with regards to getting it in front of as many people as they can. But couldn't that be considered stock manipulation? I'm no stock uh, shareholder, but the answer, in my opinion, could be yes. Yeah. Manipulating the the narrative. However, in some cases, is that narrative true? And that's been part of the issues with Facebook is that a lot of the bots and the information that's being shared or highlighted uh, are conspiracy or false. And that's where Facebook and other social media platforms, uh, including TikTok, for that matter, had to step in and create their own algorithm that was trying to determine if a bot was trying to push propaganda that was incorrect. So it's a it's a it's a fight of the bots, if you will, and uh, whether the information is legit, uh, how legit is it, how realistic is the content being shared, um, or is it again a conspiracy propaganda? It's both mm. sides.
Interesting. Adam, it's always a pleasure having you on the show to talk about tech and the headlines that catch my eye. I appreciate you sparing some time with us today. My pleasure. Thank you so much, Kelly. Thanks so much for tuning into the podcast. Don't forget, we broadcast live from 9 to noon, Monday through Friday, 640toronto.com.